welcome to Windsor Live, the very first evening edition of Windsor's very own current events, news, analysis, planning, discussion, and whatever else we think might uh, stick to the wall as we cook up this big old pot of media spaghetti. <laughs> my name is Christopher. My friend here is needs requires no introduction, but let's give him one anyway. Hi, it is James. You are probably sick of hearing my voice, but hopefully we'll be hearing a lot more of it. That is the goal for the evening, is to give you as many yeah. opportunities to speak as possible. <laughs> Goals of the evening, actually. We kind of touched on this earlier, but I think it's worth spending some time uh, talking about what we're doing here. Because we've been working kind of hard in the background, putting stuff together for our Windsor Friends Consumption Pleasure. So you've probably noticed there's a little bit of an upgrade around these here parts in terms of the uh, chrome around the video. We've got some pretty cool new graphics and logos, courtesy of our dear friend Tim Knapp, who tired endlessly, I'm sure, slaving away at the, getting the perfect contour of cursive so that my poor Neanderthalic brain could actually read it. But the beyond the facelift, <clears throat> excuse me, beyond the facelift, there's actually a bit of a, a, a mission here. So this show exists and will continue to evolve over time, but it, it exists to scratch this itch, this this base need and desire to communicate better and, and more effectively in our community and to the world. And this show is kind of, think of it as the canvas or the uh, the laboratory to try new stuff, to uh, test out new methods and uh, and review them and see if and see if it's if it's working and, and improve. And so, uh, as we go along here, and as the economy and the world starts to recover and unravel from the pandemic, we're going to really dig in and play with media and technology and ways of uh, communicating, giving each other information and giving each other a chance to absorb that information. It's going to be a cool thing. I really can't wait for when we can get into Windsor on Air and start to play with all of the wonderful toys down there. However, <clears throat> for now, we will remain uh, alone together, uh, distant, but... Uh, Online permanently, <laughs> distant but but connected at all times. Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, we we can't lose sight that this effort was an attempt to kind of bring the community into town governance and um, give another opportunity to get feedback and generate ideas, talk over concepts. And I'm really happy that we're moving towards that um, in a longer form evening session, you know, giving people as many opportunities as possible to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can tune in to a lunch stream, and not everybody has time in the evening to, to hang out. And I'd like to kind of 
cover both bases if if we could, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the what you should in terms of what you should expect out of both shows. I mean, the lunch stream will probably be pretty casual uh, in terms of production still and rapid fire in terms of information. And I suspect that this will be a little bit more like a uh, bit of a talk show where we'll you know be able to dig in a little bit more to issues of the moment and, and topics of the day. But yeah. it's uh, it's going to be quite the ride. I mean, not without revealing too too much of the uh, magic in, behind the curtains. Uh, there are a lot of people who are uh, involved in in bringing all of these ideas to reality and and bringing them to fruition. And uh, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing. We're we're working with our pals over at the River Power Podcast Mill run by the illustrious Cody Sullivan, who has created a uh, podcast called Pulp from Beyond the Veil. Now, why this is really cool is it's giving a, when you, when you, when you, you know, kind of form a network like this, it uh, gives everyone an opportunity to collaborate in a way that is not quite as uh, fluid or easy when you're working on alone on an island. And so the, uh, this is definitely a, a uh, sum of our parts is greater than our. Wait, how, you guys said I'm saying this wrong. The sum is greater than our part. No, the the result is greater than the sum of our parts. That's the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak. I am very qualified to be on a microphone speaking to people. It is all. It, it cannot be unsaid that uh, the podcast version of this will be edited. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're gonna. This is. That's the other thing is that this is gonna be kind of the the, the raw version. So get your you know Chef Boyardee or your Martini or your you know uh, your your Kid Cuisine, whichever of the above is going to settle you in and and get ready because we're going to throw some spaghetti at the wall. And that's always uh, better when well, on a full stomach. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, Windsor. Well, always. I always want to spend time talking about Windsor. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking uh, about the uh, some of the things that we have recently encountered <laughs> as part of our journey on the select board. And... Um, uh, then after that, we are going to have a interview with a friend of mine named Sophie Bodner. She works for Wise in the uh, Wise UV, which is a phenomenal organization that does m- m- absolutely masterful and very important work. And I think that they are. Uh, it's 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 kind of below the radar as to what it is that they do, and so we've got an interview uh, later on that will help to kind of dispel that fog and and you know, kind of shine some light on the good work that they're doing over there. And here, you know, full full uh, full disclosure, this is the first time I've done anything like this. Like we pre-recorded a segment, <laughs> I've got it queued up. So uh, assuming that you know the computer doesn't explode in a puff of blue smoke. We'll uh, we'll play that later on tonight. Yeah, and it was something that we teased during the lunch stream, so you'll get to see the the entirety of of that segment tonight, which is pretty exciting. It is exciting. 
It is exciting. So, James, uh, what's on your mind these days? Oh, so many things, you know. I, I've spent a lot more time in this room in the past month than I think I ever have since we purchased this home. Um, <laughs> so so that's a, that's a big difference, uh, you know. Uh, it was also kind of strange to be an elected official, but not really doing much. Uh, you know, I think, uh, it's the select board, all the members of the select board kind of feel like, you know, we've, we've kind of taken a back seat to in this emergency response and we should be taking a back seat in this emergency response, but you do kind of feel like I have the platform but it's not the time to use it right now. Yeah. Um, and we are slowly getting towards that time again. And that, and that's kind of nice. You know, it's, you run on a bunch of things, you have these ideas that you want to do. And then all of a sudden the reality of something like this hits You're like, well, we're not going to be doing those things right now because who knows what, six months from now is going to look like. Um, so when you're talking about doing things like interesting things that also take some money, uh, but you know, you're trying to kind of protect the budget in an unknown, or, you know, you want to do some interesting outreach things, but we can't meet in a group of people. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, the, the entire thing is completely different. Um, and now, you know, we've kind of very, at the moment, ad hoc created a way to do that. But I think that there's going to be the net benefit of having this piece um, a little more polished and a little more ready to go once we are able to access the Windsor On Air Studios. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is there is that kind of upside to it. It's It's forced us to think abstractly um and you can see that all over the place in the way businesses are dealing with these mm, things in the, the way that you know we're just changing the supply chain all of a sudden it's 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 really interesting to see how this is changing yeah and i think i think we have you know the chance to maintain some of the the better parts i think that there's a there's a there's a real realization that the tech to pull off something like this is a lot more accessible than you might think. It's not to minimize the amount of work that it takes to actually put a show together or anything like that, but it is a possible thing. I wonder if, if one of the artifacts of this whole thing will be, uh, will be a, a, a certain adherence to use of technology and media in the ways that uh, a town can conduct business in the ways mm -hmm. that, you know, we're communicating normally. Yeah. I'd like to see it become more of a norm. I think it's, it's, it's really, it's quite beneficial to right. go to where people are putting their eyeballs. Yeah. Boy, I'm really hoping this podcast thing takes off too, huh? Yeah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah. another thing too. Is like there, it, it's funny. It it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, it's a little bit of Arrested Development, right? Where, you know, let's here's a thing that so many people do in Vermont: they drive, mm -hmm. right? You got to drive to work and you got to drive back, 
and he has to spend all this time in a car getting anywhere. So it's a perfect, perfect place to launch a you know targeted podcast because you've got kind of a, an audience that's built in, right? Until. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, kind of like starting a ska band in the uh, late 2010s. It's like, OK, OK, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the the interesting thing specifically about River Power is um, as of right now, it's all local. Um, so there is the opportunity to really kind of focus on, on local events at this time and in the future, if there's issues like this. Um, so all of a sudden we have this kind of information dispersal arm that is, uh, hyper-local and kind of ready to be deployed. Um, and I don't know if there's a lot of other towns this size that have that, um, so I think you know, it, it's another thing that makes Windsor unique, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's very special. I mean, I think it's a tradition that started with the founding of Windsor on Air in like what 1999, and mm-hmm. and and continues today. And I think that uh, you know, uh, uh, here's a here's a an exclusive, a Windsor Live exclusive, starting I think probably next week. Well, maybe this week, but I suspect realistically it might be next week. That Windsor Live will be a uh, uh, part of the uh, be a segment on the uh, town manager Tom Marsh's newsletter, which is pretty awesome, and it will be uh, which which I kind of take as like the 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 weekly compendium of what's going on in in Windsor, Vermont. Which, by the way, I am surprised we haven't shouted that out on the show just yet, but like legitimately. The town manager's email newsletter is one of the best sources of information for what's going on week to week in this town. Yeah, it really is. You know, it is completely open to anyone in the town. You know, you submit your little write-up and the information and it gets into the town manager's report. It is like the one-stop shop for uh, information in the town. And typically... It is a really good source to see live events that are coming up, but it's really kind of pivoted in the past couple weeks to um, have a lot of information that is helpful uh, during during our kind of stay at home um, situation now. So it's it's really it's really become like almost indescribable how useful that having that ready to go you know that's what i mean like who knew that having this little town newsletter um that was started as a way to keep everyone um engaged in town activities like who knew how how useful that would be in an emergency situation but yeah no it's 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 amazing how much impact something like that can have that is the I think that is the lesson of the pandemic right there. What you just said is is there are so many things right around us that just suddenly showed their their inherent value as soon as our idea the the paradigm of what society is changed in a in a profound way. 
all of a sudden we are left with these structures and, and people and, and efforts that are very close to us instead of very far away from us. And we find yeah. how much we really rely on them. And I, and I think that that is, if there is, you know, something to really take with us in the future, that is, is one of the biggest lessons to learn from this, I think. You know, yeah. what starts as a initiative to keep people, you know, involved in, you know, go, who's who's playing music where, or, or you know, where uh, where you know you can see an art installation or something like that immediately turns into your access to vital information about an ongoing crisis, just like that, and that's that's the network effect right there. Sure. Yeah, I think we should also take a take a short moment, um, as we always do on every every live stream, to shout out the neighbors, helping neighbors, folks. Um, oh man. And honestly, this is, just this is the, the thing, entire town of Windsor. Yeah, dude, this is the thing that like you, uh, when you were saying earlier that it felt so it, this, this strange kind of like stasis and whiplash where you're an elected official. And so you, you do, you join up to do action, to do something, to do a thing, to do stuff, whatever sure. it is to do, to do, to act. And, and then, you know, you can't. Because everything shuts down, and it really shows you who's in charge here, does it not? It's not. It's mm -hmm. not the government. It is right. the people who take on these challenges and and yeah. and and absolutely fly with it. Yeah. No, it never fails that I I get an email about a request that's come in or or a, an ask for help and i i opened the email fairly quickly you know it's within five minutes of it getting into the inbox and the follow-up email that it's been taken care of is already there ready to go it's like really i i again i feel like i'm really not doing anything <laughs> um but it's really reassuring to see that people who are asking for help are getting that help uh so the program is working uh, and the town of Windsor is vital and shows me that we will absolutely get through this. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's just heartwarming. It's like when I, when I read, uh, the, you know, national level, international organizations, bullets and, and recommendations for what you could do or what you could be, be doing to help. It's like they, you know, read, Tom Marsh's newsletter or, you know, the Neighbors Helping Neighbors webpage and went down and just copied and pasted and said, do this. Yeah. <laughs> do this. Yeah. <laughs> Windsor makes the world takes, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it shouldn't, and, yeah. and lest we, you know, uh, before we move along the, the sh uh, sharing of the love and to tie it back to the meeting that happened on this past Tuesday, when Chief Kevin McAllister presented to us the uh, emergency management plan updates. I, I cannot I cannot imagine a more capable and, 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 and wonderful human being to be in charge of emergency management in this town. And mm -hmm. that just to to the chief and to the fire department and to emergency services and to the police like, holy crap, I feel so much more secure knowing that we've got you guys where you are. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch, um, you know, the select board meetings or attend to select board meetings regularly, you'll often hear 
select board members or uh, the town manager, Tom Marsh, uh, talking about how lucky we are to have the people in place that we have and to have a dedicated, trained, professional um, department in both fire and police. And you think like, oh, you know, I guess I see them around and that's great. But it's not until you get into a situation like this that you really see <laughs> that benefit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it comes right right to the front. Um, and we are extremely fortunate to have every member of the fire and police and also, you know, every everyone that is uh, working at the town offices too, kind of keeping everything going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of, uh, vital services that we are deeply appreciative of. I'm going to, I'd like to play a pre-recorded interview for everybody. And I'm really, really happy with this. Not just because this is our first pre-recorded interview and I'm kind of proud of that whole thing, but because I think that wise as an organization does absolutely wonderful work. And I think that, uh, they deserve all of the praise that they can get and all the support they can get. But I don't think that I am going to be able to say anything better than they're going to be able to say for themselves. And so I'd like to play for you an interview with Sophie Bodner, who works at WISE. We're joined by Sophie, advocate at WISE, who we're very grateful to have on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Chris. Hey. And you're here today because we wanted to get a, a, a deeper look at who and what WISE is, uh, what you guys are all about, and um, what you what you do in the Upper Valley, but uh, also what you do in Windsor. So uh, why don't you tell us what WISE does in the Upper Valley? Sure. Okay. So WISE, our our work is to end gender-based violence, um, and that's through survivor-centered advocacy, prevention, education, and mobilization for social change. We know and we believe that change happens when we're working together with our community, um, and that's really at the heart of our work, is to collaborate with the community to learn ways to keep ourselves safe, keep each other safe, um, be well together, care for each other, um, and and really grow and think about you know what are the, what's the kind of community that we want to live in? What's the kind of community that we want to raise our, our children in? Um, and so we are always collaborating um, with organizations. Wise serves twenty one towns in the Upper Valley. Oh, wow. So. Um, on the Vermont side, that is Windsor County. Mm-hmm. And then on the New Hampshire side, that's Grafton County. Mm-hmm. So Windsor and Windsor area towns like Brownsville, Reading, West, West Windsor and Wethersfield are also part of our service area. Wow, that's quite the wide net. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So what kind of uh, services do you guys typically offer? So, um, again, so thinking about our approach through um, survivor-centered advocacy is is one. So that is through um, direct support working with survivors who are experiencing gender-based violence. So that would include domestic violence, sexual violence, human trafficking, stalking. Um, And really, we know that 
this has a rippling impact. So we are available to support um, everyone a part of that rippling impact. So that is um, friends and family members um, who may have loved ones who are experiencing violence as well. Um, so we, um, are available 24 seven. So every hour, every day you can reach a wise advocate, um, and you can call our crisis line, which is 866-348-WISE. Mm-hmm. Um, and the numbers for that are 866-348-9473. Which we'll say probably um, four or five more times before the end of this, I'm sure. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then um, another one of our approaches is through prevention education. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, going into our schools um, right now um, because of COVID and, and schools are, um, the building is closed. And so children are learning from home. Um, we have a great YouTube channel with one of our educators. Celine has um, created some content for um, kids to watch at home. And mm-hmm. honestly, I've enjoyed some of the activities um, that that are shared on the YouTube channel. So we can also link that in if people are interested. Oh, great. Um, yeah. We'll definitely link sure. that in the post for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the mobilization for social change. Um, so that is about kind of what I was talking earlier about really rallying around with our community to think together about, again, what is this community that we want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. What do we want to cultivate and steward? Um, what do we want to model? Mm-hmm. And what does that actually look like? So um, we are really lucky in that. Um, so our crisis line is open and accessible 24 seven, and that is made possible by community members. So we have, you know, staff advocates that are supporting um, folks who are calling the crisis line during the day mm-hmm. and meeting folks at the hospital or at the police station or the courthouse. Um, after hours, when the WISE offices are closed, we're still accessible. And that's absolutely because of our volunteer um, advocates. Wow, that's all volunteer after hours. Yeah, our after oh, hours. fantastic. Just really special and heartwarming, um, and really moving because it's people in our community who um, are invested in Wise's work, who do the thirty-hour training, mm-hmm. and who say, "Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, have two shifts a month. That's pretty much the average, mm-hmm. um, and be available for folks to call." So that, again, and I keep saying this over and over again, but um, I think it's important to remember that no matter the time, it could be 2 a.m. in the morning, someone can reach, um, you know, a, a listening ear, a compassionate right. and non-judgmental. Um, and a trained ear, someone who's gone through especially special training to help in those crisis situations. Absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's amazing that volunteers yeah. are, you know, willing to do that and, you know, go through that training and get that education so that they can be helpful and and then willing to, mm-hmm. to you know, take, take those calls and help people out at all hours of the night. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Can you speak? A so bit I just want to just a little plug. Oh yeah. Just a little plug for the volunteer program. Um, if anyone listening is interested in learning more about that, um, please call us. Um, we have part of our training is actually held um, in Windsor right, right now because of COVID um, our training is happening online. Sure. 
Um, but to learn more about what the opportunity, um, what opportunities are in store in the future, please, please reach out. We'd love to have you. Sure. And how, how would people reach out to you guys for that? Yes. So um, we can call our crisis line to 866-348-9473. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, um, so the, the coordinator, the volunteer coordinator is Stacy Glazer. And so we can also maybe link um DC's extension and email if folks are interested. Great, great, great. great. So we'll include that as part of the post of the episode. Would you like to talk about more what's going on Windsor specifically? I mean, I don't think a lot of people know that you guys actually have an office in town. We do. Yeah. So we do have an office um, in the Windsor Connection Resource Center Mm -hmm. right downtown. Um, And um, so right now, as is the case for many organizations. Um, We are working 100% remote due to COVID. So our offices are closed. Um, But as I said, we are still um, accessible um, via our crisis line Mm -hmm. and available to safety plan, brainstorm, strategize, housing concerns, strategize, um, legal concerns, parental questions around custody, any and all of that. It sounds like you guys really do take on a very wide uh, scope of responsibility when you're helping Mm -hmm. survivors and when you're helping people. I mean, you mentioned, you know, uh, finding access to childcare, finding access to housing, you know, what would, it sounds like certainly not a job you're ever going to get bored doing. No, certainly not. I mean, I really think of it as, um, like an, an accompaniment, like mm-hmm. really to be um, with someone um, as they're navigating, to accompany someone as they're navigating all the challenges that come when you've experienced um, gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. Whether that is, you know, challenges to access basic needs like safe and affordable housing, mm-hmm. um, accessing, you know, making sure that you have enough food to, to feed yourself and your family, um, transportation, you know, transportation mm-hmm. is a huge um, challenge facing rural areas. Um, and in particular, rural areas that don't have access to public transportation. Public, yeah, yeah, right, which, are, you know, many of us don't <laughs> have access to public yeah. transportation out here in the woods. That's a real, a real concern for sure. It's you must you guys must get a a a real feel for 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 uh, not just what a survivor individually experiences and what obstacles they have to overcome, but working in those systems must give you a a a good idea of how effective our uh, our our social programs are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, um, this area has a lot of um, programmatic offerings. There's a lot of um, social pro- programs that exist mm-hmm. um, in the Upper Valley area. And so I think making sure that both people are aware of what is available and to also recognize that just because something is available doesn't necessarily mean that it's accessible Mm. and Mm -hmm. so if there is gaps to that accessibility 
an advocate's job, I would say, is to think through with that person, you know, how can we start um, minimizing this barrier, this obstacle? What what are what do you what do you need? You know, what would make this easier? Um, and that can be an overwhelming question. So I think really, you know, we believe that people are experts in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been experts in what's kept them safe um, all this time. And so I bring my expertise in um, and knowledge and dynamics of power and control. I bring my expertise in um, systems, knowledge, um, but really that person is bringing their expertise in their life experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, um, a collaboration between advocate and survivor mm-hmm. to assess what is going to be the most elegant next step. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh, I really like that. That's a very respectful approach to, to helping people. That's a very, you well, know, you know, they, you know, so often I think that we, we do, take this sort of uh step back approach or feeling that we're happy to know that things are happening to to help people we're happy to know that that exists uh but we still sort of cast people who are in uh places of crisis as as an an other as some other force that sort of mm-hmm. exists outside of ourselves and so it's it's really wonderful to hear that that idea of, of collaboration with that person that, you know, your program ex- extends that respect to, to that, mm-hmm. to whomever they are and works with them as equals and trying to craft solutions for their lives. That's really wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think, um, in my experience and I think, um, the experience, you know, wise has been around for, you know, was founded in 1971 um, it's been around for a while and that has been that what we call the empowerment model, mm-hmm. um, is really one that works. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's important. We think, let me rephrase it. I think it's important to remember that, um, a tactic of abuse is to narrow and confine a person's world mm-hmm. to make it small. And so I would say that the approach of an advocate, our approach at WISE is to work to help broaden, widen mm-hmm. um, someone's, um, someone's world. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 a, it's a response to, and it's a, an approach in response to um, tactics of abuse, you know, mm-hmm. and it's also... I believe whatever human deserves that, you know, mm-hmm. we, um, it's dignity. It's, it's justice. So I like that. That is central to our work. Well, that's amazing. And that's, that's tremendous work that, that wise does. And, and thank you for coming here to tell us about it. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our uh, our friends in Windsor uh, while we've got you here? Um, I would just I want to encourage people to to reach out. Um, we have our crisis line, as I mentioned, that's available twenty four seven. We also I'm What's really excited to share that oh eight six six three four eight nine four seven three. 
Um, and we now have a web chat function on the homepage of our website. Oh, so that is wiseuv.org. Um, and I can just quickly share that um, this web chat is, is a new resource that we have. Um, and it was born out of this new need. We're, we're recognizing that more and more um, with the conditions of COVID, it's become increasingly more and more difficult for people to reach out to, to WISE um, over the phone with, you know, there's increased um, opportunities for surveillance by abusive partners. There's an increase in isolation and really a decreased privacy. And so for many people, it's not a safe option to make that phone call. Mm -hmm. um, so the, what the web chat offers is an opportunity for someone to text and reach support, reach an advocate. So um, we have our crisis line. We now have this web chat. Um, and I just want to encourage people to reach out. That's wonderful. You're making yourselves available in the ways that, that people interact these days. And, and it's great that you're, uh, that you're covering that, that base as well. Uh, well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on. We are grateful for the wisdom of WISE, yes, but also the work that you do. And thank you for coming on the uh, Windsor Live show to uh, give us an opportunity to learn about the good work you do. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for your really thoughtful questions, Chris. And um, I also just want to thank our community. I mean, the mutual aid efforts that are happening, you know, internationally, but really right here in our Windsor community is deeply moving and powerful. And so um, I just want to, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is um, just doing so much to make sure that people are feeling supported and cared for and connected. Thank you, Sophie, for that awesome, awesome interview and for spending time with us. That, uh, that was so enlightening and in, in, in a window into the work that they do. Yeah, no, it's really, we're, and again, extremely lucky to have dedicated people in a, a facility um, in this area. Yeah, right yeah. in town, right in the resource center. Yep. Also, I repeat myself a lot. Noticing that when uh, you listen to yourself enough, you start to realize that you use the same idioms over and over again, but we won't harp on that too, too much. <laughs> oh. So you can catch that if you're on the live stream right now. You'll be able to catch that interview and this entire show as a podcast. I suspect that uh, you will be able to do so by Monday of next week. If not sooner, but that's that's my my goal. You gotta have goals. You gotta set realistic Ooh. goals. It's very important. If you are already listening to this on the uh, on uh, audio format, or you've come upon it via some other video streaming or consuming platform, feel free to check out this show at 
windsorlive.net where you can see this and all shows that uh, that we will produce and check out the River Power Podcast Network, which will have a website someday very soon. And when that website launches, possibly by the time you're hearing this, it will be at riverpower.xyz. Wonderful. Because we live in the yeah. future, and .coms are not just the only websites anymore. But some, some people are able to get a .com for their website that's being constructed. Who might that you know, be, James? Th- uh, that is me. Uh, I'm putting together a website for Science Night, and it also might be up by the time you're listening to this. If you're listening to this far in the future, it may also be down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, yeah. (laughs) The further into the future, the better the chances are. Yeah, but it is at SciNight, S-C-I, Night, spelled in the normal way, dot com. Ah, so impressive. So impressive. Those dot coms, I tell you. So I thought that we might spend the last the 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 back uh, portion here of the show talking about something that I think will be will be really quite near and dear to the hearts of uh, Windsor, Vermont people, mm-hmm. and that is solar energy. Solar is in my mind. Solar should really be one of those things that no matter what side of the aisle you you come from solar feels like it, it it makes sense to a wide degree of of viewpoints for instance i i've always thought that solar really does through solar in particular even more so than wind because of the generation ability and the passiveness and the ability for it to just sort of happen with few moving parts Solar really is uh, the the best path to complete energy independence and distributed energy independence. You know, who wants to be spending money on margins for companies in other countries when there's a thermonuclear reaction going on directly above our heads all day long and the night too, <laughs> just in other places? Sure. And that is totally harvestable. I mean, certainly there's an economy of scale to uh, contend Mm. with and an efficiency to contend with, but it, it's always seemed to me like a, like a, just the most sensible path forward. Once the technology matures to a point where it's deployable and really usable. Yeah. And, and I think that's the big thing, you know, um, Solar power in the capacity that was available in the early 2000s, uh, you know, something like solar sprawl would become a major problem for um, even a, a moderately sized city. Um, but now with generation capabilities, uh, our efficiencies are getting so much better mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it, it's still something that you need to think about, um, especially especially in our area where there is a lot of agriculture. So you need to kind of keep that in mind. There's a lot of protected wildlife areas. There's wetlands. So there are, uh, you know, there are some caveats to it. But I I agree as far as the kind of plug and play and just let it go nature of it. um, It's it pays for itself 10 times over. 
um, within its useful life in in a, a large kind of array situation. Yeah. And to that to that uh, point also, about about you know the relative environment too. One thing that is worth noting on a lot of deployments these days is that there's no crete, there's no concrete poured, there's no there's no foundation that's permanent. You know, let's say 25 years down the line, you're like, you think, you know what, I really got to grow some corn here instead, or I think we should plant something. Then you can tear them up and put them somewhere else. And it's it's not to say that there isn't an impact. I don't want to minimize that. But Mm -hmm. it is certainly a lot less than, say, building a coal plant or, say, say a hydroelectric dam or something like that. And I think... Because all you're doing is putting a a solar collection area uh, in a place, it gives the opportunity to have some some positive effect from some areas where there just is not a lot of other development that can happen. Mm-hmm. So specifically with us, with the Goodyear plant, um, nothing nothing else was beating down the town's door to go into that kind of. Um, concrete slab behind the building Further, corn does um, not grow so well there it does not um so uh, there's a lot of no-brainer situations that you can look at and just think huh what could we put there and i think solar is a good option in a lot of those cases not all of them you know there's there's lots of development that could happen um you know you could list a a hundred different things. Um, but I think that it is becoming increasingly more of the, uh, uh, conversation specifically in Windsor. And that's a really positive step forward. I mean, right now we have another array that will be coming online in a little while. Um, and that will put us at 30% of our power being supplied by solar arrays, local, local solar arrays. Like right here, right here, you know, a stone's throw, if you will. But do not throw stones. No, really don't do that. That would be a poor idea. That would be a very poor idea. That's tremendous. You know, and, and some are more visible than others. As you walk down main street and you gaze, you know, over toward the river, you can see that that solar Mm -hmm. array. I think they're beautiful personally. It makes me feel like I live in star Trek, which is, you know, obviously kind of what we're, what we're going for here. But the, uh, there are, there are others that I, I, if I hadn't, you know, been staring to the South side of the price chopper plaza absentmindedly one afternoon and suddenly noticed mm-hmm. that the tree I was gazing at was in fact, not a tree. I would have no idea that behind that behind there was a big solar panel deployment. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the other thing, you know, there have been solar projects that did not, uh, go forward in the town of Windsor. And a lot of them had to do with maybe the best, highest use in this case, even though I think, you know, solar generation is a great use. Uh, there are other, uh, things at play. Um, so there was the opportunity to create a huge, well, relatively huge, uh, protected wildlife area instead of putting a solar array in place. And I think that was definitely the right Mm -hmm. call um, up by the prison property. And anyone local that's listening knows exactly what we're talking about there. Um, So instead you get this really great natural resource that's just able to kind of be wild. Um, And, you know, we missed out on some solar protection, but I think the, um, you know, the net benefit is probably, is definitely still the positive. 
Um, but everything that's in place now, you know, you look at the site and you're like, I, I, I can't imagine what else would be there. Mm-hmm. So it's really great. Yeah. A lot of the projects that exist were, were done in cooperation with, with people in town government and specifically, uh, around the idea, these identified areas that were, 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 you know, put together by people in town that, were really, in, I think, really intelligent surveys and studies of where area exists where you could put these things. Where yeah, you could make some money and they get great southern exposure and they're, they, you know, you can you can actually sure make a buck on it, but that does not impact the uh, the landscape, does not impact uh, commercial use, does not impact residential use, places where you wouldn't otherwise, you know, put stuff. And, and I think that's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful and that's good stewardship and, and, you know, that's the type sure. of stuff I'd like to see continue, which is a, an interesting, um, place to pivot the conversation actually. So another thing that we did on, uh, on another, another thing we did on Tuesday's meeting is, uh, appoint people to various positions, unelected positions in town government. This is an interesting uh, facet of uh, Vermont, Vermont municipal governments, actually. And there's there's a lot of positions that are baked into the the uh, state statutes that you that you have <laughs> to to have. Some of them might be a little dated. And I was uh, talking with a friend of mine who had been around the bush a little while and saying that, you know, there were there was a time not so very, very long ago where most of those positions were elected and perhaps when our the, our world felt a little bit smaller, that was you know kind of a big deal. Who who would be the uh, the fence height approver or mm-hmm. <laughs> or the tree warden or who would be you know on on this spot or another one? You know, it's a it's it's a tradition that goes back a long time. And so there's this there's this phenomenon that's kind of happening right now uh, that I'd like to sort of shine some light on and, and talk about, where overwhelmingly in the uh, overwhelmingly when people communicate with with town government or take surveys about what they what assets in town they value the most, the environment and our natural resources comes up over and over again is, is overwhelmingly one of the most loved facets of life in Windsor, Vermont. And, and for good reason, you know, we have the jewel of paradise park and, and, you know, we're situated in a wonderful spot on the river and it's, uh, you know, (laughs) come on, there's a reason we live here, right? (laughs) But there's a bit of a, a, a strange thing happening where the, conservation commission is fully fully open there's nobody there (laughs) there's nobody there at all and um and that's that's an interesting thing to me and i want to i want to mention this by you know saying like that our friends on the paradise park commission do wonderful work and take care of that park and there's nothing there's no there's no criticism that I'm levying or that we're I think we're levying here tonight. It's not it's not about that. What I what I find interesting really is we do take care of Paradise Park. Um but why is it that the Conservation Commission seems to be not what ends up bubbling up toward to people's mm-hmm. thinking? 
Right. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing, you know. Um, the Paradise Park Commission does a great job. I will take a firm stance, maybe a bold stance, in saying they do a great job. Paradise Park, uh, I, I feel, is very well managed. Um, but the Paradise Park Commission is kind of centered on that that area, and it's it's you know a linchpin of of the natural um, recreation areas in the town. But but it's it is just one one locality. Um, whereas the Conservation Commission has the opportunity to really kind of affect town-wide change and look at town-wide management. Um, and I don't want to say it has a bigger effect, but I think it kind of has a an effect that might touch uh, different communities mm-hmm. um, and kind of spread from the center to the periphery. Because, you know, even though it, it's really it's really easy to think of paradise park kind of on the periphery, but I would say that's, that's very close to the center of town. You know, it's, um, accessible, um, from, you know, people who live right, right in the middle of town, mm-hmm. um, in walking distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it is, it is very central visible, to, yeah. to the downtown. Yeah. And with the commission, uh, the, the, um, Conservation Commission, you have the opportunity to kind of take stock and look at policy that could benefit um, the periphery mm-hmm. too. Um, and I think I think it's really important. And in in some ways, it's it's a bigger job. The scope um, is is wider for sure. I mean, it's a it's a mm-hmm. you know larger area to take care of and to think about. Yeah, but in even more ways, it's it's a a lot more nebulous. Yeah. Like, there's not this set. There's no like, boundaries except for you know. Yeah. There's no. There's no set park. There's no set area. It's right all around us. Yeah. So you know, people who are interested in taking stock of uh, natural resources, um, you know, coordinating with with uh, state and local government, including the Paradise Park Commission. You know, this is this is a, a real opportunity to get a lot of uh, a, a lot of people working towards the same goal um, and I think I think it's a really exciting opportunity to fill this commission or at least get it up and running again with three members um, and, and see what what we could do so if we if we really believe that the natural resources the environment is something we feel strongly about I think that um, this commission should be filled. And I think a lot of it has to do with people probably just didn't know, you know, everyone knows about the paradise park commission. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, since the conservation commission is set empty, it's just something that maybe people aren't thinking about a chicken and egg problem, maybe. right? It's like, yeah. who, who's there to promote it? It's like, well. So I, I will take all the blame. I will take okay. it off the town of Windsor, I blame the, you, uh, Windsor shoulders Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe the select board just didn't do a good enough job highlighting the fact that this was here and available, but that changes right now. Uh, <laughs> and here we you are. You know, the, the second that we get three people who are interested and the board feels would be um, able to, to do this job, you know, that commission is all of a sudden alive and vibrant mm-hmm. again. And there's lots of um, lots of things that we can do to get you trained up. If you feel like I, I definitely want to do this, but I might need to know a little bit more about what I'm doing. There's lots of resources we can point you to. So, um, you know, don't feel like the fact that you don't have a 
terminal degree in in wildlife management ecology uh, that shouldn't hold you back right um right i'm gonna be i'm gonna be very very honest right now where i am somebody who grew up in the woods i love my forest i want to know what goes on in my woods i like uh i like walking amongst them but i don't really know a damn thing about them in a meaningful sense and i would be very very happy to put People with a passion and people with a, with an eagerness to learn uh, mm. into positions where they can affect positive change sure. and, and enable people to do what I find myself wholly wholly inequipped to do, but but identify as as you know some uh, you know our our resources are worth taking care of. It is worth yeah. being a you good know steward. and in many ways the person who comes in with a willingness and an excitement, but not the uh, maybe the classroom learning that you need is almost the better candidate because you can you can teach somebody right. the job. You cannot make them feel passionate about exactly. something. Exactly. Um, so uh, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily looking for for the person who has the greatest uh, resume with publications in, in this field. Like if you're super excited about doing it and willing to do the work and learn, um, man, I think you're a great candidate. I love finding the people who love to learn. I love to find the people amongst us who are just avid devourers of information and, and, and love to learn new things. These are, this is these are some of the more interesting people that we get to run across, and truly. And if that's you, if you if you've got a spark uh, for for conservation and, and taking care of taking care of the environment, but our home, then let's chat. Let's chat. Yeah. And and I said it on the lunch stream. I'll say it again. If you are super excited to do this and get started, but you can't find two other people to do it with you. You know, there's stuff that you can do um, on behalf of the board and kind of at the request of the board with, with our approval that is not part of this commission, but is definitely work that needs to be done. So don't let that hold you back either. Um it would be great to have three people so we can start this commission. It would be even better to have five people. And the best would be to have five people and then a whole bunch of other people that want to get in on it too, to create that excitement. Um, but if it starts with one person, there's plenty to be done. Let that be the takeaway from this entire Windsor Live experience. If, if there's something, if you feel like you want to jump in, Believe you me, we will find a place for you. If it's just one strong, you will, we will help you to be an army of one, and that grows, my friends. But if there's a, yeah. a crew, we will absolutely do everything we can to enable and you and to to help you get to your goal. Yeah, and I think you know we'll talk about these things um, as they come up. There's stuff that happens with the select board throughout the year where we bring in people who are not elected officials to act um, as part of committees mm -hmm. and everything. So we'll highlight those, but, but yeah, definitely. If you're interested, even if you don't know what you want to do, you just want to help the town in some way, email us 
or call uh, the town offices, and there is definitely a place for you for Absolutely. sure. Do not hesitate. There's always really something. Nice. Yeah, and who knows? It could get you to the point where you are able to report your work on Windsor Live. <laughs> you could be so lucky. You could be uh, the one to deliver this information to our wonderful audience every single week, which is the cadence you can expect from this show. And with that, I think we are going to sign off. It's been yeah. great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that we've gotten this far, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. Thanks for embarking on this uh, crazy idea with me, James. It has been really great. Um, I hope everyone that listened uh, enjoyed it. I, th I hope that you kind of appreciated the longer form that we're able to take on some of these topics. You know, we're, we're talking about less things, but giving them a little bit more space to breathe, a little less staccato. Right. Um, if you have questions that you want to ask me or you want to reach out in any way, my email address is J-R-E-E-D at WindsorVT.org. And I am C. Goulet. That's C-G-O-U-L-E-T. It's a little harder than read, to be honest. At WindsorVT.org, you can find information about this show at WindsorLive.net. And we will see you next week. Lunch stream, 12.30 p.m. Tune in with your sandwich. The evening edition, 7 p.m. Tune in with your wine or scotch or kids' cuisine, which I'm not giving up yet. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, friends. Night. Night.